0: Welcome to the Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Nine Line podcast. We are VA Southern Nevada's healthcare system's resource for veterans covering local and national VA information. My name is John Archiquette, and with me, I'm joined by my co-host, Joshua
2: Gray. Hello, John. How are you doing today? Great show today. We've got a lot lined up. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, We're uh,
1: going to divert from our normal uh, conversation that we've had our last two episodes, where we talk strictly about COVID-19, and we're going to talk to uh, one of our experts here on some really cool, innovative new technology that's making um, veteran care easier, not only just for the COVID-19 situation, but uh, going forward as well. Um, so I guess that's probably a perfect, perfect time to introduce our uh, special guest for today. This is Lori, Dr. Lori Ann Vick, and she is our chief of telehealth, or telemedicine here at the VA Southern Nevada. Good morning, Dr. Vick.
3: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: So telehealth is something that, it's a fairly new concept to me, um, and it's it's something that the VA has been doing for quite a while, but it's really something that's that's come into its own over the last few months. Um, but it's it's kind of you know, progressed quite a bit in the last few years. What is telehealth exactly? For somebody who is, you know, completely new to the concept.
3: Right, so telehealth actually has been around for decades. um, And the VA has been at the forefront of implementing telehealth technology and care. So telehealth is simply the use of technology to deliver care in instances where distance separates the provider and the patient. So there are several ways that we actually implement telehealth care here at the VA. Um, one way is through clinical video telehealth, and that is where the patient actually comes to one of the clinics. Our providers are um, located remotely, and they conduct the visit through video. The nice thing about clinical video telehealth is that the technology that that's there at the clinic facilitates physical examination, plus you have the added benefit of having um, a staff person there to help the patient navigate technology and also serve as the hands for that provider that's um, located remotely. So, we also have store and forward telehealth. That is a technology that's used to essentially store information, whether it's photographs of an eye for a patient that's getting a diabetic eye exam, or for patients that have some sort of skin abnormality that um, requires dermatology consultation, they'll take pictures of of the, the lesions and that. And then store that information and then forward it to the provider who looks at that information at a later time and provides um, recommendations regarding treatment and also diagnosing. Um, VA Video Connect is another technology that we use here at the VA, and essentially that's FaceTiming your provider. The good thing about VA Video Connect is if we use uh, VA-issued iPads, we also have the benefit of adding attachments to the device that can facilitate an, an examination as well.
1: So it looks like we've got a lot of stuff that we're There's doing. a lot, yeah. How, how long have you been working with uh, telehealth?
3: So I've been here um, at the VA here in, in Vegas for three years now. Prior to that, I worked at the Jesse Brown VA in Chicago, um, where I was a telehealth provider for cardiology service. I'm a nurse practitioner by trades.
1: Okay. So how long total have you been using telehealth stuff?
3: Probably about five years.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And how much change have you seen in those five years?
3: Um. Hmm. That's a good question. Um. I think that providers are becoming more amenable to using the technology, for sure. I think that um, patients are also becoming, um, uh, being more welcome to using that technology. In terms of the technology itself, VA Video Connect is relatively new here at the VA. Um, it actually um, was started um, after my arrival here in Las Vegas three years ago.
2: So you, you mentioned a bunch of different uh things that you can use telehealth for and one of the things that we've started doing here recently is is something that i would never think that you could do via via uh, some sort of distance means and that's Mm. tele-icu how does how does that work exactly when you've got somebody who's in intensive care because to me you know i'm i'm just a a guy talks on on the radio (laughs) you know um so when when you talk about icu that seems like something that requires somebody to be right there a doctor to you look at charts and, or or see the patient and, and feel things or, or whatever, how does that work?
3: I'm so glad that you brought up tele-ICU. So there's two programs that we offer for patients that are in the hospital. One is tele-ICU and, and another is telestroke. So with the tele-ICU program, it brings uh, that specialty care there at the bedside um, when uh, we don't have that service locally. So you know, there's the ICU nurse there. There's the hospitalist that's there in the the inpatient setting. But sometimes there's things that are going on with the patient that requires outside assistance. And so you know, they they simply click a button. That provider, whether it's an intensivist or a critical care nurse. They're av- they, they become available. They're able to look at the patient's chart. They're able to look at the monitor to see what's going on with the patient. They're able to visually you know, see that patient. And it's just that added benefit um, of having another set of eyes look at the patient.
2: So what are some of the challenges of doing medicine in, a, in an ICU setting like that where you can only see what you see through a, a single camera?
3: Well, they're seeing more than that. So they are able to pull in all of that other data that the ICU nurses and physicians use here locally. So again, they're able to look at what's going on on the monitor in real time if they're on a ventilator they're able to see all of that in real time um, and they're they're able to participate in physical exams and reviewing the chart so so
2: we've been using tele ICU here for what about a year year and a half now maybe about, about two, there about two. Mm-hmm. so uh, how has it ha- has it improved outcomes is it like what's the has there how much of a benefit has there been to uh, having tele ICU Uh, as opposed to the way we were doing it before.
3: I think that it's um, definitely added to the care that we've provided. Um, I think it also is a great source of support for that provider that's there at the bedside and kind of they've exhausted everything that they know to you know to do. So just having that extra again that extra expertise available has has been a great uh, of tremendous value. And,
2: and it also seems like one of those things that we call in the military what we call a, a force multiplier where it, you know instead of having to have five doctors at five hospitals, you can have, two doctors in a, a call center, essentially, serving
3: 10 hospitals. Mm-hmm. Exactly, so it definitely allows that, it, it increases productivity for that provider because they're able to um, to provide care to a variety of different facilities without that that travel. The thing about the tele, tele-stroke is that it actually has impacted the way we've delivered care tremendously here um, at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. So when we first started the program, we you know, had very limited, if any, neurologist um, available. And so when patients would come into the ER with symptoms that were concerning for stroke, they would automatically send those patients out hoping to expedite care by bringing them straight to that, that specialist in the community. Well, now we're able to, you know, call a neurologist on our iPad and get that care that we need immediately for that patient. So now, instead of sending those patients out, we're actually able to do that initial diagnostic um, testing, and we're actually even um, providing some treatment and keeping those patients here at the VA instead of sending them out. It's um, improved outcomes, and it's also saved us a lot of money.
1: Sure, and I think you know, especially with living in Nevada, where what we're 47th in and- in specialty care, um, in the community, you know, having those available doctors in other areas that you know, especially for, for specialists that we may not even have in the local community, mm-hmm. the ability to to have veterans be able to you know, to communicate with those doctors and actually have them you know, get that even you know, if it's not physical face to face interaction, you know, they still receive just as as much attention mm-hmm. through the virtual means.
3: Yeah. And these are top-notch providers, so we're not limited to just those here locally. We're, we're um, actually able to provide care to our patients using, you know, Ivy League prepared physicians, for example. So we get top-notch care.
1: And even before physical distancing really came into play over the last few months, um, you know, we have a large catchment area. And, uh, you know, what kind of reaction have you seen from some of our rural communities using telehealth?
3: I think that they're able to get much more care now, and it's not just primary care services, but it's specialty care as well. So our rural clinics, which are Laughlin and Perump, they have the most robust telehealth programs right now, understandably so. So in those areas, we're able to provide um, audiology care, um, sleep medicine care, cardiology care, uh, mental health services for sure we also offer kinesial therapy. so for patients that require the use of a cane a walker some sort of assistive devices they're able to come to those rural clinics get evaluated um, and then also get that patient education that they need to take care or to use the device in a safe manner and that device is actually sent out to the clinic so they never have to come here to the medical center for things like that
2: how, how have you seen attitudes change i guess uh, one of my first uh uh, when I when I came on here, I've worked here for about almost uh, two years now, one of the first things that we did was we did a, a town hall out in Pahrump and <laughs> one of the big uh, issues for the people out there is they wanted to see a doctor in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ms. Kearns, the director at the time, was trying to explain that telehealth is a great option and there was a lot of resistance to that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, not a COVID episode, but, you know, <laughs> Coronavirus is kind of, but by, by when we started pushing everything to virtual care, people didn't have an option anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how have you seen those those attitudes shift uh, in the last couple of months?
3: Mm-hmm. So... I think with more exposure to telehealth, I think that that has changed the perception of that modality of care. So, before the pandemic, um, February of this year, we had about eight percent of our veterans um, that are enrolled in the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System actually use telehealth services. Well, at the end, well, this month now we're at twenty five percent of those patients. um, They're now engaging in telehealth, and I think that that's the biggest thing because I've I've seen patients that. I've talked to them outside of the, the exam room before they go in for that first telehealth visit, and most of them are like, "I don't want to see that doctor in the box. I don't I don't want to do this." They go in. I said, "Just try it." They go in and they come out, and their whole perception changes. So I think that if they just if if the fact that they're now able or they're kind of forced to try telehealth, I think that that has that has improved the perception.
2: So you mentioned, you know, there's there's that that shift. But now that we've kind of started reintroducing services, have you seen people uh, stick with it? Or or are people now abandoning telehealth to go back to seeing a doctor in person?
3: So we haven't opened up fully. So our our goal as a facility is to continue using telehealth services, using um, VA Video Connect in particular. And I think that those veterans, once they've used VA Video Connect, it's it's really... um, uh, what's the word? Convenient. So they're not having to travel, they're not having to take time off of work. Um, so I think that once they see those added benefits, um, that they're just going to continue to use telehealth moving forward.
1: And before you were you're talking about, you know, some of the, the veterans in Pahrump that have been working with uh, the doctor, you know, they, at first they were hesitant about mm-hmm. the doctor in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got a chance to go down there and see a few of the veteran interactions with the, uh, the, the provider, and I believe she's based in San Francisco. I think.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it was really cool because they, they seem like they have a good rapport like mm-hmm. the kind of rapport that you would see when you are interacting with your face-to-face doctor on mm-hmm. a regular basis. You know, mm-hmm. she knew them by name and, you know, even without having to reference all kinds of charts, like she would ask them, you know, mm-hmm. well, how is this condition doing? Have you been, you know, taking your medication stuff like that? So,
2: you know, it really didn't seem like there was a lot different. And if if I'm also not mistaken, like that doctor does travel here occasionally, right? So mm-hmm. so people do get the opportunity to see that doctor on a on a face to face basis and kind of get that in person rapport. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not just a doctor in a box, right?
3: right so one of the things that i know our veterans in pahrump were really disgruntled about was not necessarily the fact that they were they were only being able, they were only able to see uh providers through telehealth but that there was there was inconsistency in the provider so now we have this great partnership with san francisco they have a a, a tele primary care hub which is basically a group of providers who provide services you know to different facilities within our vision now that they have a consistent provider i think that that definitely has um has also increased their their willingness to use telehealth and she does come out um, I think it's once a quarter um, for a week to do those visits that do require that that touch so whether it's a, a pelvic exam or you know some other exam that you know you can't do through telehealth they're able to come in and do that
2: it, it seems like even if you only see them once a quarter um, you know that that seems like something that would, would soothe people's minds
3: mm-hmm. yeah. and just knowing that that's an option,
2: so one, one hurdle
1: that, you know, getting over was the, you know, the face-to-face interaction, the preference for having that, that kind of communication. But I think the other hurdle, and I can admit that I'm probably one of the people who's guilty of this, um, is, you know, aversion to new technology you know, just just having to interact with it personally. Um, you know, if I could go back to a flip phone, I would do it. <laughs> but, you know, some, some veterans don't have a lot of experience with a smartphone, um, don't have a lot of experience with, you know, virtual modalities of communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you kind of bridge that gap?
3: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. So there's a couple of ways that we do that. One is that we... Um, we do have telehealth clinical technicians that are available at all of our clinics that can provide that veteran with that hands on support, um, along with other staff members as well. So if there's a patient that is struggling with um, using their their smartphone to do a VA video connect visit. We can certainly practice a VA video connect visit with them, and you know, while they're here, they're in the clinic, um, so that they can do it comfortably at home. We also have the national telehealth technology help desk too, that the patients are referred to, um, where they can actually do um, those practice visits and do troubleshooting things um, prior to their um, appointment time.
2: And, and I've seen the handouts and stuff, and I've 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 downloaded the app and used it for VA video connect, and it's it's remarkably easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go to, go to an app store, whether it's Google or, or Apple, you download the app and then your provider sends you an email and you just click the link in the email mm-hmm. and it launches it automatically and you're, you're fine. I mean, it's, it's very, very easy to use mm-hmm. to me anyways. Well, probably not not to you. (laughs) Probably not to you, John. You'd end up wondering why it's on your TV. Probably, yeah.
3: The great thing, too, is that the VA does have the option of sending patients out um, iPads um, for their loaners, but they can use them if they're going to be engaging in VA Video Connect visits. And it's even easier to do a VA video uh, visit that way because they don't even have to do the email link. The provider can actually call them on that iPad, and they just click the, you know, the – the start button and they are able to engage in the visit that way. That's great. We're going to take a quick
1: break, uh, come back, and we're going to take a look at how COVID-19 has affected the use of telehealth.
0: You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to the Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray.
1: Welcome back to the Nine Line podcast. I'm John Archiquette with me, my co host, Joshua Gray, and we have our special guest with us, Dr. Lori Ann Vick. She is the chief of telemedicine here at VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. Uh, Dr. Vick, of course, the big thing on everyone's minds right now is COVID 19, and with Telehealth being, you know, basically the best way of providing health care virtually, what kind of growth have you seen since, say, about the beginning of March?
3: So there has been a lot of growth. Um, We've gone up from um, 8% of our veterans using telehealth up to 25%. And that's a combined total between um, the different modalities. So I mentioned VA Video Connect, Storn Forward, Clinical Video, Telehealth, and also our home Telehealth program, which is a great program um, that allows patients to learn how to manage their chronic conditions. Um, so, so yeah, so there's increased use. I suspect that there'll be even more, um, more of a, a growth um, as COVID continues.
1: I know, you know some services; it's difficult to to do telehealth, but I know like with telemental mental health, um, you know, mental health, they moved almost all of their services mm-hmm. virtually, and they've seen a the huge growth even since uh, we've expanded services again. Um, you know, they, they mm-hmm. they're still doing more than half of their services uh, virtually. So I mean, yeah, we're seeing you know pretty great growth across the board with it. Um, you know, one of the concerns that some veterans may have. Uh, doing some of these video connects is, you know, privacy, it's, you know, you're basically speaking with your doctor across wires and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, obviously, people have a right to be concerned about, you know, who else is going to be able to see it, you know, how have you addressed that when brought that when that was brought up?
3: That's definitely a real concern. Um, fortunately, with VA Video Connect, that is an encrypted line. So when patients and providers enter that virtual medical room, um, it's all encrypted. Um, The the provider, once everyone who needs to be in that visit is there, um, they're able to lock that medical room so that no one else is able to enter the room um, through the link that's sent out by email. Um, If they're doing clinical video telehealth in the clinics, again, that's an encrypted network, so um, information is uh, protected through that modality as well.
2: I do have a question, yeah. a follow-up for the, the coronavirus thing real quick. Though. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh So, looping back to the coronavirus thing real quick, John, John kind of moved on a little quick on me here. Um, so... You know, we, we talked about 25% of the visits are, are up there, but, but obviously moving people out of the clinic was a, a pretty important step in trying, you know, for, the, for the statewide effort to, to kind of flatten that curve. Um, what do you think, from, from your opinion, uh, would have been the impact if we didn't have telehealth available? If, if every service we provided required somebody to come into our facility?
3: Well, two things would have happened. One, either the care just would not have been provided, or two, uh, we definitely would have seen higher numbers in the incidence of uh, coronavirus and um, infestation. So. Uh,
1: so how do you think the veterans here in Southern Nevada have, have transitioned to telehealth uh, compared to what you've seen in other VA healthcare systems around the country?
3: I think that overall, the VA healthcare system—we we've all done a really good job in transitioning that in, those in-person visits to uh, telehealth. Um, you know, v, the VA has been in the forefront for a very long time regarding telehealth when compared to our community care partners. So I think that that has just made our transition relatively relatively easy. We've we had already been starting VA Video Connect. Um, primary care and mental health services had been on board early on. We had the the equipment um, already set up in our in our facility, so I think that that it just made things a lot easier. How
2: uh, how prevalent is uh, telehealth out in the the regular medical community here in Las Vegas?
3: Um, well, now it's, it's much more common. <laughs> but, but even, uh,
2: like, I've never heard any civilian, civilian, quote-unquote, doctors mm-hmm. out there really trying to push telemedicine. Um, and I don't know what the what the reasoning for that is, or maybe I'm just missing it, but it just seems like uh, telemedicine is something that the VA is really, really leaning into, while the the, the the hospitals and the providers out in the general community really don't seem that interested in it before coronavirus kind of jumbled everything up.
3: Mm-hmm. I think two of the biggest challenges with telehealth being implemented out in the community are one, licensure issues, Um, and then the other issue is with regards to billing. So with licensure issues, you know, that isn't as much of an issue for us at the VA. Um, there were some challenges with, um, licensure and providing telehealth services, um, before the Anywhere to Anywhere, um, Act, um, came to be. Um, but billing, you know, we're not, we're not looking at, um, uh, generating revenue, we are looking at workload and things like that. But I think those were the two barriers that the community faced, um, preventing them from doing telehealth on a large scale.
1: Uh, now that norm- that uh, telehealth has been pretty much normalized at this point, um, where do you see it going from here, you know, in the next five years or so?
3: Uh, I think usage is going to continue to go up. I think that now that people have been exposed to telehealth um, and they're seeing the convenience of doing it, that there's going to be a higher demand for it. Um, So I'm really excited as the chief of telehealth to see, you know, where we're going to go.
2: Do do you foresee um, it being a factor where where younger people who might be more technologically uh, adapted uh, start kind of, uh, you know, are, are... the, the, the folks who see, use our services generally mm-hmm. seem to be a bit a bit of an older demographic. Mm-hmm. As, as that younger demographic kind of ages into where we would normally see them more and more and more, do you think that uh, them being technologically more technologically proficient and connected is going to uh, make a difference in that?
3: I think it is going to make a difference, but we can't discount our older veterans either. You'll be surprised how... Um, how adaptable some of our older veterans are. I just spoke with um, with the daughter of a veteran I used to take care of in cardiology clinic. He's 92 years old now, and he's doing um, home cardiac rehab. And his only complaint was his screen on his tablet was too small, <laughs> <laughs> which is an easy fix. So we can just sure. get that that larger screen for him um, and and make him happy and and want him and make him want to continue doing telehealth. So
1: I know last week. Um you guys received a few donations from a community partner that's uh, been kind of trying to help out with some of the things. What other like partnerships have you guys done with, uh, with local groups or, community or um, you know, organizations in order to, to help veterans get better connected?
3: Um, you know that, as far as I can recall, is one of our first um, partnerships. So um, we're really excited about. I think that that organization is relatively new um, here in here in Nevada. So we're looking forward to continuing our partnerships. I know that they really uh, wanted to push the education piece for for older um, individuals, and so we're looking to partner with them so that they can help us get our veterans better um, better uh, more comfortable with the technology.
2: What do you see the the future of the use of technology as it relates to telehealth? Because, because right now, a, a person for some things... Maybe many things still has to come into the clinic. They have to see a nurse, get vitals taken, and then they talk to the doctor in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, there, in a in a in a uh, procedure room or a, a, a setting, a medical setting. Um, but like, I've got a watch that will take my heart rate. It'll monitor my sleep. It will do any number of things. Do you? What's the future of technology and telehealth? Is is it going to be possible to do everything from home at some point? Do you think?
3: Mm. I think some of those things that you mentioned that that are future really are, are now. So in terms of um, doing a visit, like a primary care visit, we provide our patients with a VA issued um, iPad, and we can add that technology. We can add the stethoscope. We can add you know a pulse ox. We can add the blood pressure machine, so that they can have a pretty comprehensive visit. So there's um, so we're already looking towards towards the future and how we can we can incorporate more things to be done in the home so I had mentioned earlier about our store and forward telehealth program one is telederm so again you have a patient that has you know a mole or a rash or something like that that needs to be evaluated well now there's a program that's coming down from national where we can actually have that person that patient do the picture at home, send that picture through secure email, and then have that telehealth clinical technician download that, that picture and send it to the provider for for evaluation and treatment. So we're already looking at ways to incorporate more things to be done in the home.
2: do you ever see a, a future where if I'm like sick, I've got the i got a cold or, or something like or bronchitis or something mm-hmm. like that, that that, that can from, from tip to tail can be completely diagnosed in the home?
3: Um, you know, provided that, that labs and X-rays and things like that don't have to be done, um, but they can certainly have those things done and instead of coming to the office, you know, conduct that visit through through video. Um, and, and those are things that are actually being done now. We've talked quite a bit um, last year about having a VA video connect clinic for the flu. So we definitely don't want patients that think they have the flu to come in, come into the office, sit in the waiting room, you know potentially spread that flu to veterans and and employees so um, i think that we will probably be implementing something like that I, this I, year
2: i guess the real question at this point as we've discussed this and, and we keep asking questions isn't what can we do with telehealth but what can't we do with exactly. it exactly because it, it seems like the list of what you're not doing with telehealth at this point is a lot smaller than than all of the questions we're asking about what you can do
3: it's getting smaller and smaller
2: yeah
1: well that's that's a great direction and i you know I'm excited to see what kind of progress we can make in the next five years. Um, and you mentioned before, with uh, you know, with with potential flu season, I know with with COVID nineteen not looking like it's going away anytime soon, and with uh, the, you know flu season fast approaching, I know that we're going to be pushing hard for uh, you know making sure we can get physical distancing uh, continued with with our care services. So mm-hmm. those are great things to look forward to. Um,
2: that was that was about it.
1: I think we hit it all. Well, I want to thank you very much, Dr. Vick, for coming and joining us today. Uh, This is extremely informative. And uh, as a veteran who gets my care here, I've been using a few telehealth services myself. And uh, I I will have to say, it's very easy to use. And as somebody who's not technologically proficient, (laughs) I I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Uh, Thank you guys for listening. And we will see you in two weeks.
0: You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Health Care System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash LasVegasVA. Thanks for listening.